Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. Benjamin Franklin said, All who think cannot but see there is a sanction like that of religion that binds us in partnership in the serious work of the world. Humility is something that helps us recognize that working in partnership is progress. But we ask the question, in partnership with who? Now is a good time for us to ask, because many may think time is running out. Paul writes, Now is the acceptable time in reminding us that we are supposed to be working in partnership with God. We're all members of groups. Aristotle wrote that man by his nature is intended to live in social and political groups. Success of any of these so-called groups depends on the character of its citizens. Yet the word culture is more apropos today. We like talking about culture these days, even though our lives are deeply impacted by immense cultural confusion. We do encounter people in our labors and find common ground toward common goals and create bonds that unite us in workmanship. We realize in these bonds that partnership is not treachery, even though we must embrace humility to fully grasp the give and take of it all. But as the Apostle tells the Corinthians, we are to put no obstacle between us and men that would keep them from seeing Christ, because this is our only hope. Not too long ago, a Supreme Court Justice nominee was questioned about her faith during the confirmation hearings. The concern centered around what was known about the nominee's life and the evidence in that life that that provided proof. This is the accusation that was made against her. The conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you, and that's of concern. So within our partnerships, our friendships, our marriages, our homes, is there enough evidence to convict each of us about the dogma living loudly in our lives? Well, the judge nominee insisted that as a judge, she would not let her religious beliefs inappropriately alter her judicial decisions. Unpack that statement in your mind. Isn't this precisely where loving the sinner but hating the sin takes place? Not in allowing inappropriate judicial decisions that we sometimes make? We're not talking about going light now or nor accepting things that we know are wrong. Our greatest challenge has always been, how do we cooperate with God in our challenges and our grief? Is it not? Let me share a couple of stories. Because sometimes the challenges are simply explained as George Mallory did for his reason to climb Mount Everest, because it is there. The geologist Noel O'Dell accompanied Mallory and his climbing partner, Andrew Irvine, up the famed mountain. On the morning when the summit was in sight, June 8, 1924, the day opened as mild and windless as any expedition day they had encountered. A thin gray mist clung to the upper reaches at 26,000 feet, but for a moment, the mist cleared, and Odell could see high above him two tiny figures, Mallory and Irvine, not more than six or seven hundred feet below the pinnacle. Suddenly, the mist closed again with the moaning of a new wind, and the mountaineers were out of sight. The two men were not seen again, now resting somewhere in the vast wilderness of rock and ice. Whether victory came before death, no one knows. Our last glimpse of them is that of two tiny specks challenging the sky's immortal ceiling, fighting upward. C.S. Lewis writes, Remember that all worlds draw to an end, and that noble death is a treasure which no one is too poor to buy. 
A young Providence, Rhode Island lawyer interrupted a promising political career to join the second Rhode Island Volunteers at the outbreak of the Civil War. He wrote to his wife, Sarah, of love and fate. Sarah, my love for you is deathless. It seems to bind me with mighty cables. But nothing but omnipotence can break. And yet my love for country comes over me like a strong wind and bears me irresistibly on with all those chains to the battlefield. The memories of all the blissful moments I have spent with you come crowding over me, and I feel most deeply grateful to God and you that I have enjoyed them so long. And how hard it is for me to give them up and burn to ashes the hopes of future years when, God willing, we might still have lived and loved together and seen our boys grow up to honorable manhood around us. I know I have but few claims upon divine providence, but something whispers to me, perhaps it is the wafted prayer of my little Edgar, that I shall return to my loved ones unharmed. If I do not, my dear Sarah, never forget how much I love you, nor that when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, it will whisper your name. Forgive my many faults and the many pains I have caused you, how thoughtless, how foolish I have oftentimes been. How gladly I would wash out with my tears every little spot upon your happiness and struggle with all the misfortune of the world to shield you and my children from harm. But I cannot. I must watch you from the spirit land and hover near you while you buffet the storms with your precious little freight and wait with sad patience till we meet to part no more. One week later, at the Battle of Bull Run, Major Sullivan Ballou was killed. Are the challenges that we participate in always immortal, or always successful, or always filled with grief? No. But sometimes they are. Oslin, the Christ figure in the C.S. Lewis story, Prince Caspian, says, Why didn't you come to me for help? Lucy responds, I'm sorry. Why didn't you come in to save us like last time? And Oslin replies, Things never happen the same way twice. We are called to do everything for the glory of God, to love God more than we love ourselves, be willing to storm the castle, love the afflicted, feed the poor, pray for our enemies, and let nothing come between us and men that would keep them from seeing God in us, through us, cooperating with Him, through all these challenges. Paul writes to the Corinthians, working together with him, we entreat you not to accept the grace of God in vain. Then he quotes Isaiah, at the acceptable time, I have listened to you and helped you on the day of salvation. Each receives his calling, be it shovel and pick, Staring at the ground, he digs. Or of noble thought in equation, her vision will orbit the moon and stars. Yet there is only one priceless achievement. It is cooperating with him because it creates a mighty heart. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Ain't it so? This is Gittin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Volbiscum.